<laughs> oh, it's okay. If you I'd, maybe just make sure the fans blowing, that would be great. All right, good. All right, let's get the handheld ready because this is kind of driving me crazy. Uh, and if it doesn't, I don't know. It's a brand new mic. Someone else used it yesterday and reformed it, and then I was trying to reform it to my, and I guess it needs a little more instruction than that. Um, so they're going to get a handheld. That'll be helpful for me, but it'll it'll work till then. Well, today we are going to take a, <laughs> see this? <laughs> just, I'm just going to talk real loud, right? Just turn it off. No, they'll get the handheld here in just a second. Today we're going to take a break from our series that we're in, The Red Letters, and, uh, and we're going to do a service. Uh, today is all about moms. It's, well, it's all about Jesus always. We understand that. But we want to honor our moms. And I, I'm just wondering, are there any first-time Mother's Day mothers, uh, first-time celebrating uh, this year? Anybody at all? Yes. All right. All right. Good. Let's give her a hand. Yeah, very good. Carrie uh, is a first-time mom, and uh, anyone else maybe expecting, uh, and you haven't told and you want to come out this morning? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's much better. There we go. And I can control it. All right. Um, how many moms here have been uh, moms more than one time? So we got, we got single mothers, uh, mother of two, any mothers of three that are here? All right. All right, let's do this. Now, uh, beyond three, I think you ought to just stand up. All right, any mothers that, uh, mothers of four, let's, let's stand. All right, good. All right, yes. All right, if you are a mother of five, stay standing. Whoa, mother of six, mother of seven, mother of eight. Look at this. Seriously? Eight, 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 eight. All right, good. Mother of nine, anyone? All right, so we got a bunch of mothers of eight different people or uh, kids. <laughs> that is pretty incredible. And let me just ask, um, uh, who is the mother here that has the most experience? All right, and that what I mean by that is, be careful. <laughs> I think this service is already going downhill, so I can tell. Uh, mother with the most experience. Who is the oldest mother here uh, today? Uh, I, I, and then we're going to go, young. well, let's start with the youngest. Who's the youngest mom here? Uh, youngest mother. Any mother uh, in their 20s? Stand up if you're in your 20s. All right, yes. Only one mother in their 20s. Any in their teens? Any moms in their teens? All right, so you, Samantha, of eight kids, still in her 20s. <laughs> I just feel like we should take another offering just, just for Samantha. And uh, where's your husband today? Is he helping in the back? Okay, well, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, that's good. You're all alone. Well, that is, that's excellent. And, uh, oh, we didn't say that. Who's the eldest uh, uh, mother? Anybody over 50? The crown jewel? What if I said I had a prize? Then would you be like, yes? In their 60s, any in their 70s? Yeah, good. 70s, good. Any, any moms in their 80s that are here today? All right, so the 70s win it. And we just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you. And uh, we're so glad you're here. Now, it's interesting. On Mother's Day, we want to celebrate the mothers, the grandmothers that are around us. But how many know the reality is some of us are here today and we maybe have lost a mother 
uh, or a grandmother that has passed, and we want to remember them as well. And then I was just, you know, thinking this morning as I was praying, there may be uh, women today that are, you know, wanting to be moms and maybe haven't been able to or, you know, have a dream of being married at one day. And so today, you know, there can be mixed emotions with that, but we want to certainly celebrate. Well, my wife, my beautiful wife, Jessica, has been a mom for 12 years. And I know, it, you know, she barely looks, you know, 18. And, um, but I've learned a few things as her husband over these last 12 years uh, about Mother's Day. And I thought I'd uh, start by sharing a few of these things. And uh, things not to buy for Jessica. And maybe this could be a tip for you, for, especially for those guys that still are going to you know, swing through Walgreens on the way home. I've been there. I've been there. But, uh, but things that Jessica, at least, did not prefer. Things that plug into the wall. Things like blow dryers, waffle irons, drills. She did not prefer those things for Mother's Day. I've also learned never to buy her clothes that have sizes on them, and uh, you just never win with that. And really, to avoid anything that's useful. To me, this year, I thought, I was thinking about this, the perfect Mother's Day gift, she loves to garden. She's got these beautiful square foot gardens, and our hose is busted. And I thought, a garden hose. But I've learned over the years, I did not buy you a garden hose this year. You learn. So, guys, pick up some of these tips. They may be useful. I also learned that when it comes to anything that has to do with exercise or self-improvement, let her pick those things out, right? Now, a couple years ago, I thought, jewelry. Now, that's the way to go. Am I right, guys? Yeah. But, you know, I wrote two things about jewelry. The stuff that I can afford, she really doesn't want. And the stuff that she really wants, I can't really afford. And that's just the reality of our life. But uh, I've learned a few things along the way. I've learned not to spend too much, but I've learned not to spend too little either. And I have learned this, that anything I really do spend, she's worth it. She deserves it. Moms deserve whatever we could give them. That is for sure. And I was thinking about, you know, the job of a mom. Uh, is like never ending. And those of you that are moms, uh, you understand this. You know, giving 50% of your time to your husband, that's important. Giving another 50% maybe to the job where you work, another 50% to the home, another 50% to the kids. And uh, no wonder you're tired, right? <laughs> no wonder you're, uh, you're our moms. And uh, we appreciate our moms. And we want to honor our moms today. And so, guys, uh, you know, last week we gave you the warning message. We put it on the website even, uh, not to forget Mother's Day, the FMD, if you were here last week. And so don't forget the card. Don't forget the phone call. I texted my mom this morning. Uh, don't forget the gifts. Uh, pick up around the house today. Spend some quality time. And so uh, guys that I ride bikes with sometimes, not today. Sorry. All right. We're going to have to do that another time. Although there is no youth group, maybe later. No, 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 I'm just kidding. And Jessica, I know she's been thinking that I have forgotten Mother's Day. And I just want you to know, Jessica, I did not forget you today. And uh, I wanted to just be an example to all of our brothers here. Uh, and I got you a little something. You can't go wrong with chocolate. That's always good. And a little card, in there, something in there for you. Uh, and then we're going to enjoy a meal after church together. And uh, that is fun.
we also have a gift for every mom that's here today. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but the flower of choice for Mother's Day that dates all the way back to the 1800s, 1864, is, does anyone know what the Mother's Day flower is? Carnation. That's right. Yeah. Those of you that were saying carnations, you're correct. And so today, as you exit, moms, we want to make sure we bless you with a carnation, and that will be wonderful. Isn't this fun? <laughs> well, I, it's great. This last week, let me just take a quick break here. This last week, I was at district council, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I had the privilege, uh, and that was all in Lansing, and so I was back, back and forth to Lansing, then uh, Friday and Saturday, again, had the privilege of being a part of the Hardy wedding. And Dennis, stand up, brother. I see you slipping in, uh, looking like you're ready to, uh, look at that, he's looking good. <laughs> it's Mother's Day, that's right. And uh, uh, the Hardy wedding, I was uh, able to be a part of that, and it was just a joyous occasion. The Ebeling family also had a wedding. Uh, Nathan Ebeling got married this weekend. And then there was another wedding that met here at the church, and uh, so three weddings in one weekend. Um, but anyway, I say all that to say, early in the week, I was at services, and, and boy, uh, at the district council, and they were, it was especially good. Uh, the Spirit of God really fell in many of the services, and just the challenges, and then ordination is just a blast as well, uh, being a part of that service. Uh, Pastor Leach, who is our district superintendent, uh, he always says this every year, and I kind of like it. He says, uh, every time he sits through an ordination service, where there's new pastors becoming pastors, he's like, I want to sign up all again, all over again. And uh, he says that every year. Uh, but uh, I, this year, I felt myself wanting kind of in that same line saying, boy, uh, I want to sign up. I love what I do. I, it's a privilege to be your pastor. And uh, it, sometimes it does amaze me that you keep on coming back, right? <laughs> but, uh, but it is neat. This morning, I want to take us to some scripture, and I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. And I know some of you are saying, oh, I knew he was going to Proverbs 31 this morning. It's a picture of the family, a picture of motherhood. Uh, it's a part, part of scripture uh, where we see the wife of noble character. And, uh, and I want to read you uh, some excerpts out of here. I'm not going to read it all, but you can kind of bounce around. If you need a copy of God's Word, we're going to look at several scriptures today. There are Bibles on the back tables, and uh, feel free to slip up and get one of those at any time. But listen to what it says about this, this mother, this wife of noble character. Verse 10 of uh, Proverbs 31. It says, A wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. Doesn't it sound wonderful? She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servants and girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. We'll skip forward uh, down a little bit. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the, the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction uh, come from her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also 
he praises her. With many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Pretty interesting chapter in the Bible. When you look at this, it's a list of, of uh, incredible things. It was written thousand years ago, thousands of years ago, and still is intimidating to many women today. When you read this, there's a sense that this woman is busy from dawn all the way to the next morning. She has the looks of a movie star. She cooks like a world-class chef. She uh, is a world-class athlete, a superstar. She has the intellect of a professor with a Ph.D., the wisdom of a godly missionary, the sensitivity of Mother Teresa, the business sense of a Fortune 500 CEO. She has etiquette to admire, and she has the spirituality of Mother Teresa. And I was thinking about that this week and, and studying really over the last couple weeks and saying, boy, what would a woman like this look like today? And the only thing that could come to mind, and we had to kind of do a little rendition of this, but let's, let's take a look. It would be awesome, Mom, wouldn't it? And uh, if you've ever seen The Incredibles, uh, you know, so ladies, right outside this door after, after uh, church, we got little jumpsuits. You know, you can kind of slither into those, and, uh, and you could sport a suit like Awesome Mom here and, uh, <laughs> and put on the suit. Now, I think that when you look at Proverbs 31, I'm thinking, man, is it even fair? There's no list for guys like this in Scripture, right? If it was, it'd be strong, athletic, brilliant, whatever the case might be. But it just, just to uh, help us out, I don't want anyone leaving here discouraged saying, boy, you know, is there any hope for me? Or what if I don't measure up? We're not going to look at Proverbs 31 uh, this morning. But I am going to take you to an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 1. And so I want you to turn there, and that's really where our text is going to be this morning. And I, I think the Lord really uh, has given me uh, a, a scripture here that is going to be encouraging. And you'll have to bear with me for a moment. When I read this, on first glance, you're saying, is this really a Mother's Day passage? But uh, I think if you hang out with me, uh, you'll see where I'm headed with it. In Matthew chapter 1, let's read the first six verses. It says, a record of the genealogy of Christ Jesus, the son of David the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abimelech, <laughs> Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. King David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And anybody know who Uriah's wife was? Bathsheba. That's right. Lord, I pray that as we look at this particular passage this morning, I pray that truth would be shared and that it would be an encouragement to every mom here, but more than even the moms, Lord, that there would be truth that would be uh, just universal across the board for us to glean from your word. And Lord, we pray this and uh, just open up hearts to receive and help me, Lord, to communicate well. And I'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In this few short, short verses, there are four 
mothers that are listed. Four women, which is actually odd for the first century believers. Uh, they, it would have been untypical uh, to have women in a genealogy at that point because women didn't have rights. They couldn't earn money. They, uh, they couldn't even uh, own land. But in, in verse 3, we see Tamar. Rahab in verse 5, Ruth in verse 5, and then Bathsheba in verse 6. What I want us to see this morning is that there's incredible hope in the genealogy of Jesus. You say, boy, there are four women mentioned there, and then if you skip all the way to the very end, of course it mentions the mother of Jesus, Mary. But when we look at these four women, I want you to feel that there's hope for you. We're going to look at their past, some of the pain that they experienced, and, uh, and answer the question, can God's, if God could use these four women in his genealogy, then he can certainly use each and every one of us. And we want to start by looking at Tamar. Tamar, if you looked in uh, Genesis chapter 38, that's where you see the story of Tamar. And I know that we have some students in here, and, uh, and so we, ha- we can't read this story. It's actually rated R. Uh, but I'll give you the PG-13 rendition of this story. It's a soap opera in the making, this story. It is really, really um, juicy when you read it. But let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 38, and we'll read a few verses, kind of give you some background. We're talking about Tamar here. But first it says, At that time Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There Judah met, his, met the daughter of the Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and lay with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son whose name was Ur. Everyone say Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to another son and named him Onan. Everyone say Onan. And then she gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. And I feel bad for this guy. What kind of name is that for a guy? Everyone say Shelah. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. <laughs> it was at Kizib that she gave birth to him. Now, Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now, here's where Tamar comes in the picture. Now, we'll stop there for a second. If you fast forward in their lives, the first husband, Ur, which we all said Ur, ended up dying. And Judah said, well, here's my second son, Onan, and uh, if you read the story, he died as well. Now, Judah was not a dumb man, and he's saying, if I give Shelah, even though it's a girl's name, to Tamar, he's going to die as well, not three times in a row. I'm not going there again. And what's interesting is that Tamar was there left without a husband. And out of her desperation, because she didn't have any kids, and she, the, the culture demanded kids out of the women at that point, out of desperation, she does something unthinkable. She goes into town, and when Judah was coming through, she dressed like a prostitute, covered her face, and she had relations with her father-in-law, Judah. And that's not all the detail. You read it later, Genesis 38. But three months later, she starts to show, expecting mother. And she's guilty at this point because both of her husbands are dead, right? And they didn't let Sheila 
uh, marry her yet. And so now she's pregnant, and there was penalty for this type of action. And they were going to bring her out and stone her or burn her to death in verse 24. But she was smart. When she had got with Judah, she asked for a seal and for a, his cord and uh, as a remembrance. And, uh, and then we, we, she was there about to burn her, and she brought these back out and said, Hey, this is the man who made me pregnant. And it was Judah, of course. And then uh, the story kind of goes on. But if you go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 3, we see that she makes it into the genealogy of the perfect Savior. In verse 3, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Interesting. Out of her desperation, she takes things into her own hands, like many of us do uh, and, uh, and when we come on hard times. And she makes it into the genealogy of Jesus. The second one that I want to look at is Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, uh, interesting story. Uh, you're, you're probably familiar with it. Joshua uh, sends 12 spies uh, into the promised land to kind of scope out. And uh, these 12 spies end up in the promised land. And uh, we won't take the time to read it, but they needed a place to stay. They needed a place to hide. And Rahab, the prostitute, says, hey, you can use my house. And uh, it, she allows them to stay there. She hides them. She covers up for them. And uh, the story is great if you read it, if you're not familiar with it. But what happens is for, uh, for Rahab is that she uh, ended up being saved. God used her house, and then Rahab's family was protected. And what's interesting, though, is that Rahab never loses the identity of her past. You fast forward to the New Testament, and then she's always recognized as Rahab the prostitute. And then when you look at uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 in Matthew, we know that uh, she marries, um, or marries, she has kids, uh, Boaz, and Boaz was the one who married Ruth. And so what I want you to see here is that not only was Tamar, she, based on desperation and desperate times, she took things into her own hand, but then there's this also Rahab, that had to struggle with her past all of her life. And uh, many of us have a past that we have to struggle with as well. But we know that Boaz married Ruth. And uh, it's interesting, Ruth has her own, own entire book. Uh, I read it this week. It's a great story. I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, but it starts off this story with uh, famine, with tragedy, the death of all the men, and uh, and let's just go ahead and look at the, the first part of the story in Ruth chapter 1. If you can turn with me there, uh, we will read a couple of these verses to give you some background here. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and the man uh, from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live there for a while in the country of Moab. Now, the country of Moab was bad news. It had quite a bit of history, um, a history of incest, uh, all the way back to the time of Lot. And it says the man's name was uh, Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and they lived there. Now what's important here is that as we look at this, after they lived there for about 10 years, both of the sons died 
And Naomi was left there with her, without her two sons and without her husband. So there was Naomi, and then there was Ruth, and they were there together, and they were in Moab, which was uh, quite a, uh, a scar in their, um, in their genealogy. Uh, and they, they were there and kind of suffering and just out on their own. And what we read in chapter 1, that Ruth goes back to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi, she returns to the land of promise, not as an Israelite. She would have been known as a Moabite. And uh, again, lots of things. She's on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. The ro- she's coming from the wrong part of the world. But as we read the story, Ruth, we see her gleaning in the fields in chapter 2, but she's shown favor, incredible favor. And then in chapter 3, she's proposed in marriage to Boaz, and Ruth married uh, and had Obed, which we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, in, is included in the ancestry of David in the line of Jesus. Again, another story, another woman who her past, she grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, from the wrong family, from the wrong school district, from the wrong, uh, from the wrong part of the world. And like the Moabites, we can relate to her. Some of us can that we may not be able to shake our roots. And her roots stayed with her, but in the midst of that, she experienced some incredible favor. And so we had Tamar, and we had, uh, we had Rahab and Ruth, and then, of course, the last, the last one that's mentioned in these verses in Matthew and, uh, is Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see the story of Bathsheba. Uh, the, probably the most recognized uh, passage of infidelity, of adultery, of a, of a horrible affair. And not only just an affair, but after the affair, um, the, David took uh, Uriah and had him killed, put, took him out, put him on the front line, and had everyone back away. So Bathsheba's first husband would be killed in a horrible, horrible story. And Bathsheba, it's interesting, you know, it takes two to tango. We understand that, right? And so she was at fault as well. But we see Bathsheba, we see Ruth, we see Rahab, we see Tamar. All of these women have incredible pasts. They're sometimes outsiders, but they have scars and wounds, and they are found in the genealogy of Jesus. It didn't matter their sin, their past. Of course, Jesus was a perfect son, but his genealogy what made what kind of got him there was scarred as well. It's interesting, we can look at these four women and we can do the same thing with the guys. The reality is that there's no perfect people. God uses imperfect people. And you're maybe here this morning and you're saying, yeah, that's me. I've got a scarred past or I've got sin in my life or I've got things, you know, for me. And I want you to know this morning that there is hope for you. There's hope for you, for your family. There's hope for your future. Whether you're coming out of a, of a situation of desperation or your past has scarred you, you can't shake loose of it, or your family life, or maybe there's sin, there are some important things that I want you to walk away with. And, of course, you know, we're talking about the women here, but this is, translates to every single one of us, young to old, male to female. There's some spiritual truths that I want us to grab a hold of this morning. The first one 
and it may be the hardest one, is to stop comparing yourself to others. These are some practical spiritual truths that I want you to walk away with this morning. When we start comparing ourselves with others, it's bad news. Because we're going to be better than others, and then we're going to be worse than others as well. But when we start to focus on, hey, I'm, I'm better than Brendan in this area or that area, what does that build inside of me? Pride, right? But then I say, well, but I compare myself to Brendan. I can't play the keys like he does, right? And what that does, it causes envy. And I really do envy you and your ability to play. But envy is sin as well. It can lead to sin. When we start comparing ourselves to one another, whether we're male or female, whether we've got a family or we're single, it is heading in the wrong direction. It always leads to sinful uh, behaviors in our lives if we're not careful. Pride can sneak in. Envy can take a hold. And the point is, is that God, he's created each of us. We, he knows where we are, and he loves us more than we could ever imagine. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, where you're even heading, uh, other than the fact that if we surrender to God, he is quick to forgive us. He helps us, and he looks at us as righteousness. He looks at you as righteousness. And so we can stop comparing ourselves to each other. The second thing is that we want to stop allowing our pasts to control our future. There are people that I know, and you may know as well, that are paralyzed because of a blip in their future or in their past. They've done something, they've gone somewhere, they've seen something, and they, they, there's a grip or a hold on their life that they just can't shake. But you know what the Bible says? It's simple. Confess your sins and live in freedom. All of our hurts, our pain, our habits, if we give them to Jesus, he will help us. So we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. Stop allowing our past to control our future. And the third thing is we need to start being the person God has called us to be. We need to start moving in the right direction. And this morning, maybe you're stalled. Maybe you're, you're, you're at a place where you're going in the wrong direction. You may need to take a 180-degree turn and start heading in the right direction. Because when we look at Matthew chapter 1, there were four women in this genealogy of perfection, it was a picture of grace that God used these women in the line of Jesus. And what's interesting is that Rahab, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, she's mentioned as in the hall of faith. In James chapter 2, verses 25, she's noted for her faith and her deeds. And she was redeemed. God saved her because she was willing to surrender didn't matter the hurt, the pain. It didn't matter her past. There was hope for her, and there's hope for each of us. And what I want you to know as well this morning is that there is a plan for your life. There's a, God has a plan for each and every one of us. I want you to turn your Bibles to, to Psalm 139. In the wedding yesterday, I had the 
opportunity just to mention Psalm 139. Uh, and it was interesting that I, I like to use this in a wedding setting because, you know, God knows our days. It says in here, we're going to read it in a second, that our days are ordained uh, before we're even out of our mother's wombs, before, you know, God knows our beginning to the end. And uh, what I want you to know this morning and to be encouraged, no matter where you've been, no matter where what you've done, that God, He knows you. Listen to what it says in Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. The sense there is that God, He knows the intricate details of our lives. He knows all our mistakes, He knows all of our success. He knows you. It says, O Lord, search me and you know you've searched me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. And you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And then here it is. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I want to read the last little bit here. It says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. And then he closes, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if, any, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I read that psalm to you for a few reasons. First, because there's hope in that, the sense that God knows where you are. 
He knows where you've been, and he, he knows where you're going, for that matter. And it's possible that you're here this morning, and you are away from Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him as you sit here today. The greatest gift you could give your mother or, or your spouse or your, your relatives today would be to make a relationship with Jesus, to just ask him into your heart. And if you see your need for that today, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. But more than that, I want you to see God's redeeming power when we surrender. In verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my every thought. This morning, on Mother's Day 2012, I want to encourage us to search our hearts, to ask God to reveal how am I doing? And as we look into our own hearts, I want us to grab on to hope, to grace. Grace is not just for mothers today. We may try to uh, dodge our past. We may come from the wrong family. The sin in our lives may be great. But God offers hope and grace this morning for us so we can stop trying, trying harder or to overcompensate. We don't need to turn over another leaf in our lives trying to do it on our own. Many of us have tried to do it on our own before. What we need to do is to start walking with Jesus. And again, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But even if you're here this morning and you're a believer, and you look at your life, you say, man, it's hard to get ahead. It's, uh, my life is full of pain or trouble. And you wonder, boy, did I, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Will I ever make it? Or the sin, it's, the weight of the sin is too heavy. And I just want to say, God is a redeeming God. He loves you. He, he loves you. What He calls us to do is to surrender. He calls us to surrender. Maybe you've made decisions like Tamar out of desperation. And there's guilt and shame that's associated with the decisions that you've made. Or maybe you're like Rahab who never was able to shake her title. It was always Rahab, the prostitute. Her past stayed with her. Maybe you're like Ruth, grew up in the wrong family. Or Bathsheba, known for adultery. Everyone knew it. And she couldn't shake her past. They were used by God. And I believe by the Holy Spirit we're put into this genealogy as an encouragement for us to be able to look at our own lives and say, okay, I can do it. I can surrender. God will redeem me. He'll help me. So this morning, I want to ask you a couple questions. With every head bowed, eyes closed this morning, we want everyone here this morning to experience hope and grace. To be redeemed. And if you're here this morning, 
you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, would you just lift your hand this morning? We want to pray for you this morning. If you're ready to surrender and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to give my life to you. Would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Just one gentleman raising his hand. You can put your hand down. Anyone else saying, yep, that's me. If I was honest today, I'm away from the Lord. Mother's Day 2012. Are you ready to surrender? Give your heart to Jesus. Anyone else? Give you one more second to respond. That's you. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. There's a couple men that raise their hands an encouragement to them. Would you pray a prayer with them this morning? We call it a miracle prayer. It's, a, it's not the words of the prayer that save you. and We understand that, but it's our heart behind it. And I want to lead you in that prayer. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's a miracle when that happens. When it, God takes our sin discards it. He takes it as far as the east is from the west. That's what God wants to do this morning with these two men. So would you pray this after me? Say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Take away my sin. Make me clean. I'm sorry for the wrong that's in my life. For the sin that's gripped me. And I'm asking for forgiveness. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again, and that you are now sitting on the right hand of the Father. And I surrender my life to you. Redeem me, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to live my life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. If I could have your eyes on me for a second, I want to ask another question. It's quite possible that even if you're a believer, have Jesus in your heart, that you may be walking around living life in desperation, in a desperate situation like Tamar was in. Or you may be holding on to some of the past, like Rahab was, or as you look at your life and you say, I'm like Ruth, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Or you might be like Bathsheba, known for adultery or some other sin where it's just public, everyone knows. And this morning, the word of the Lord is for you, is that he knows where you are. And he wants to use you despite your past. Your days ahead are great and powerful. God wants to live in unison with you. But if you're honest today, you're saying, 
you've let the, some of those things hold you back, or they're holding you back right now. And if that's you, let's go ahead and close our eyes, bow our heads again, just for a moment of honesty. No one's looking around. I'm the only one going to see it, and I want to pray for you. I'm a I'm going to take note and so I, we can continue. I can follow up later. But if you're here this morning, in the past of your life, you're hanging on to that or you're still struggling with some of those things or maybe past decisions or things that you've done out of desperation or, or perhaps, you know, just the, the feeling of inadequacy or maybe there's some public sin that, that, is, that is following you and you're saying, I want to surrender those things to Jesus today. Would you be honest and just lift up your hand right where you are? Yeah. Yeah, who else this morning? Yep. Yeah. All your head bowed, eyes closed. Who else would say, yep, that's me. It's where I am today. You can put your hands down. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to you, Lord. even across the aisles. Make sure everyone has a hand of someone. And I'm going to pray a closing prayer, a blessing for the mothers, but then for every family, for every individual that's here today. That God would help us to live in his freedom. You are free today when you confess your sin, when you surrender to him, and you say, God, take control of my life. You can walk out of here free. God has done that in many lives today. Let me pray a blessing over you. Lord, we bless your people. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Lord, we pray for the person on our left and the person on our right. That, Lord, that you'd fill them, God, with your love and with your grace. Lord, that you would inject hope into our lives. And, Lord, that we would not leave here uh, feeling down, but, Lord, that we would look to your word. We'd be challenged by your word. We'd be challenged uh, even by Proverbs 31, God, uh, a model woman for those that are, that are mothers. But, Lord, that we would not be discouraged saying we don't measure up because, Lord, we understand that you look at us as righteousness. You help us, God. And, Lord, we just ask, God, that you would be glorified in our lives. Lord, that our eyes would be fixed on you. And, Lord, where we've made mistakes, where we where there's shame and, and guilt and, and pain and hurt. God, I pray that you 
would do a supernatural work in those areas of our lives. We pray this for your glory, for your honor. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you as you go. Enjoy your day. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, you're more than welcome to come forward. We'll pray with you. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you. We love you. God bless you as you go.